Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to All Sharks No Bite, presented by our friends at the Hockey Podcast Network. And it's been a bit of an eventful week for the Sharks. Most notably, they acquired forward Jack Studnika from the Vancouver Canucks in exchange for defenseman Nick Chichek and San Jose's sixth-round pick in 2024. Chichek spent some time with the Sharks last season. I believe he played 16 games, uh, but has really been with the AHL Barracuda all of this year and for most of his time in the Sharks organization. He's a rugged defensive defenseman who is actually younger than I thought. He's still only 23 years old. Hasn't really stuck around at the NHL level, but also hasn't had much opportunity up there either. Uh, Like I said, played only 16 games with the Sharks last year and has spent the rest of his career in the AHL with the Barracuda. Uh, He had only one goal and two assists in 18 games this season before getting traded. And based on my understanding, he struggled a little bit down there at the AHL level as well this season and was very much part of that logjam on defense. So in comes former Bruin and now former Canuck Jack Stednika, a 24-year-old former second-round pick who got caught up in a logjam of his own in Vancouver where they have an abundance of forwards. And if you don't believe me, look no further than uh, former 40-goal scorer Andre Kuzmenko playing on, I believe, the third line. So this seems like good asset management and a good buy-low play by Mike Greer, giving a young defenseman a fresh start in Vancouver and then bringing in a skilled forward with upside, which Mike Greer has shown a willingness to do uh, this season with guys like Philip Zadina and now Jack Studnika. So we'll see how it plays out, but my initial reaction is I love the move. Studnika, at the time of recording this, which is uh, a Monday evening, has only played one game for the Sharks, but I'll keep my eye on him, and I'm really curious to see how he looks over the next few games um, and seeing how David Quinn decides to deploy him moving forward. And speaking of David Quinn and the way he is deploying some of his players, I do want to talk about Anthony Duclair and his recent benching. For those who missed it, Anthony Duclair was a healthy scratch for the Sharks in their last game against the Colorado Avalanche. And according to Sharks beat writer Curtis Pashelka from the San Jose Mercury News, David Quinn healthy scratched Duclair against Colorado because parts of his game had slipped. And this came to a head the other night against the Arizona Coyotes, where a game-tying goal by Mikhail Granlund was waved off because Anthony Duclair was offside. And not only was he offside, but he didn't hustle back to get onside. 
And so it turned out to be a pivotal moment in the game, and the Sharks would go on to lose one nothing. And David Quinn told the San Jose Sharks Audio Network, quote, It's something that we all saw, and it was unfortunate. You can never take your foot off the pedal during a shift. We just didn't get onside quick enough, end quote. And then, obviously, we know what happened next. He made the decision to healthy scratch Anthony Duclair. And so this is something that David Quinn has shown a willingness to do all year, right? He's willing to bench guys who aren't playing the way that he wants them to play. And it doesn't matter who the player is, how much money they make, how much tenure they have in the league or with the team, or how beloved they are by their fans and or teammates. We've seen Mark Edward Vlasic, Kevin LeBanc, Thomas Bordalo, and now Anthony Duclair, all notable players for this team who have been benched this season because of their performance. So David Quinn has been consistent here, and I applaud him for that. He's showing that he's serious about creating a certain culture and holding players accountable for the way that they're playing. And that's not a bad thing. He, he wouldn't be doing his job as the head coach if he didn't do that. Just like, you know, in you know, the corporate world, if I half-assed my job and it cost our company a big opportunity, I would rightfully be held accountable for that. And my bosses would be absolutely correct in taking some kind of action or having some kind of talking to with me. But here's what I think in this particular case with Anthony Duclair. Could this not have been an email? Couldn't this message have been delivered without benching Anthony Duclair? And Anthony Duclair's mistake was very visible and clear to everyone, and it had a very tangible impact on the game. I, I don't think there's a lot of extra teaching that needed to be done there. And the price was paid when the Sharks lost that goal and ultimately the game. My guess is Anthony Duclair knew that he blew it and didn't need David Quinn or anyone else to come up to him after the game and say, yo, do you not understand why I'm mad at you right now? So now Duclair gets benched against an elite Colorado Avalanche team that the Sharks were probably never going to beat anyway, which is fine because the Tank and Macklin Celebrini are still a thing. So the Sharks were probably going to lose that game with or without Duclair. But he's still one of the best players. And by taking him out of the lineup, you're putting your team at a competitive disadvantage, which is not ideal against one of the elite teams in the league like the Colorado Avalanche. It feels like this was or could have been a teachable moment that certainly needed to be addressed, but could have been handled right after the game against Arizona or during the off day. And I know the Sharks put Jacob McDonald in the lineup in place of Duclair, so it's not like they played shorthanded the whole game or anything like that. But they still chose to take one of their best players out of the lineup against a really tough opponent over something that I think could have been addressed and put to rest with a meeting between the player and the coach. And who knows, maybe that did happen. Maybe the conversation has even happened on multiple occasions and this was just the last straw. We don't know because we're not behind the scenes, so I literally know nothing. Uh, maybe David Quinn and Anthony Duclair have had this conversation recently, and Duclair knew that he had to shape up and then failed to do so in the most heartbreaking and painfully obvious way possible for the team. In that case, I totally understand the decision. It makes total sense. But if that's not the case, then I think this benching was a little bit harsh Yes, it for sure is something that needed to be addressed, 
And I think David Quinn was right to take some kind of action and use this as a teaching moment. But personally, I was really surprised when I opened up Twitter and saw that Duclair was a healthy scratch. I get the reasoning, but it just feels really harsh. So it'll be interesting to see how Duclair plays when he gets back into the lineup, presumably today against the LA Kings at home in San Jose. I'd place my bets on him having a really good rebound game. So we'll keep our eyes on that. And speaking of placing your bets, this episode of All Sharks No Bite is brought to you by DraftKings. Bet the action on the ice with DraftKings Sportsbook. And speaking of Sharks versus Kings, the Sharks are sitting out there at plus 205 in that matchup, so get in on that action. You can get in on the fun if you download the app now and use code THPN. New customers can get 150 bucks instantly in bonus bets for betting just $5 on hockey. That's code THPN only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. The crown is yours. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after assurance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash hockey for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. NHL and the NHL Shield are registered trademarks of the National Hockey League. Copyright NHL 2023. All rights reserved. And now to continue the theme of embattled players... A non-shark story that's been on my mind the last few days is the Jordan Cairo situation in St. Louis. For anyone who missed it, the Blues recently fired head coach Craig Berube, who took the Blues from worst to first in the span of six months in 2019 and led the Blues to their first and only Stanley Cup title that season. And yes, you heard that right. The Blues were in dead last in the league in January, and they still went on to win the Cup that year absolutely defying the historical data and the cliche that if you're not in a playoff spot by American Thanksgiving, you can basically start booking your tea times for the summer. So Berube is understandably a godlike figure in St. Louis, like honorary mayor, key to the city, never pay for a drink or meal again in your life type of icon. Meanwhile, a very mediocre Blues team this year is playing the way that most people expected their roster to play, which is, you guessed it, mediocre. Uh, In fact, they're probably exceeding everyone's expectations except for their own. And the fact that the Blues fired their beloved and highly accomplished head coach seems to indicate that St. Louis had higher expectations for themselves this season, even though their roster is very average at best on paper. So emotions are high, and when Blues star forward Jordan Cairo was asked about Barube's firing, Cairo said, quote, no comment, he's not my coach anymore, end quote. So Blues fans took that personally, and they saw it as a disrespectful jab at their favorite coach and proceeded to boo Jordan Cairo every time he touched the puck in the game that night, which is an honor usually only reserved for opposing players. 
And after the game, Kairou was clearly shaken by that reaction and had a tearful post-game interview where he said he heard the boos and it hurt because he loves playing in St. Louis and he loves the fans. So the the discourse and the question online was, were the fans right to boo Jordan Kairou? I say no. And I'll start by saying that I understand why fans were upset. They love Craig Berube, and Kairou's response was a bit terse. And on top of that, the fans are already frustrated with Kairou because he's a 30-plus goal scorer with an eight-year, $65 million contract. And right now, he is having a brutal season. Like, he's not even fantasy-relevant, which is pretty bad. And he's well shy of his normal 30-plus goal pace. And I think that a lot of fans probably feel like if Kairou was performing the way that he's capable of, then maybe the Blues would be better this season and Barube would still be there. So you don't want your struggling star player to sound so dismissive when he's asked about a beloved figure in the franchise like that. And I think the fans wanted to see Kairou look inward and take responsibility for his play and how it might have affected the decision to fire coach Barube. But I think booing him was a bit aggressive. Like, the fans took his response as a jab, and I don't think that's what it was. And this point that I'm about to make can't be proven unless Kairou comes out and says it, so uh, please take it with a grain of salt. But maybe Kairou had the kind of reaction that he did because he blames himself for Barube getting fired because he hasn't lived up to expectations this season. I imagine that could really wear on a player, and I could understand him not wanting to talk about it. Obviously, fans would respect it if he said that and held himself accountable, but I understand him wanting to move on and focus only on the future and what he's able to control. He also didn't say anything pointed or blatantly disrespectful about Barube, and reading responses on Twitter, I saw some Blues fans saying that he fired a shot at Barube, and I just don't think that's what he did. He simply said, he's not my coach anymore. And my man was spitting straight facts. That is the truth. You're right, my guy. He's not your coach anymore. Good recognition of that situation. Anyway, I always try to imagine myself in the player's shoes. And I try to think, what if they were like the rest of us and they were in my situation where they worked in a traditional corporate job? And like, let's say I just got a raise. And then I missed my sales quota and my boss got fired because of it. I don't think I would be pumped if some Ron Burgundy lookalike shoved a microphone in my face and asked me to talk about my boss getting axed. You know, I feel like this has been a theme the last couple of episodes here. Can we please remember that these players are humans and they're just doing their jobs the best that they can? Anyway... The story does have a happy ending as Kairou scored a beautiful breakaway goal in his very next game and got a very warm and loud standing ovation from the fans in St. Louis. So it was great to see Kairou and the fans kind of hug and make up, but I still think the booing and taking his quote as a shot at Barube when he clearly didn't say anything about him was a bit of an overreaction. And the fact that one goal healed that wound just makes the whole thing ring really hollow to me. It's good to see the fans are back on his side, and I recognize that there are good reasons for fans to boo players in certain instances, whether it's their own player or an opposing player. But 
I just felt like that reaction missed the mark, and I'm Team Kairu in this situation. Anyway, this was a very pro-player episode. Maybe I should get the Players Association to sponsor the podcast from now on. But for now, that's it for this one. Let me know what you think about anything we talked about. You can hit me up on Twitter at AllSharksNoBite. Please leave a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify if you enjoyed the episode. And leave a quick review if you really, really liked it. Um, It goes a long way, and it's nice to know that you're out there. So leave a review if you have the time and if you feel compelled. I'd really appreciate it. This will be the last episode of 2023, but I'll be back at the beginning of January. So keep an eye on Twitter or threads for the exact date. Until then, thanks for listening. Have a wonderful holidays and go Sharks.